Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. The Saints Wire Podcast. I'm Steve Bordstein, filling in this week for Ryan O'Leary. Appreciate all the folks at USA Today is a sports media group for allowing me the opportunity to just sit in the captain's chair for a little while. We are talking this afternoon with John Sigler, managing editor of the Saints Wire. John, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Hey, thanks for stepping in for Ryan. Uh, wish him and his family well and eager to get back into it coming out of the Saints bye week here. Yeah, coming off that bye week, uh, and it's always that discussion whenever teams get the bye week, whether it happens in week five or week 11 or 12, as it might be some cases. Uh, did this bye week come along at the right time or the wrong time for the Saints this year? I think this is the perfect time for the Saints, uh, really, just given their injury, injury situations. Uh, they've got eight starters who are working their way back from injuries, from from suspensions, um, and this was really beneficial to them for uh, lining up with those timelines. You know, they've activated several players to return from injured reserve this week. Um, or they've, des- they've, excuse me, they've designated those guys to return this week. So hopefully they'll be active on Monday night in, in Seattle. Uh, but they've got three weeks to get healthy, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but it came at a great time for, for the Saints to kind of heal up, kind of self-scout themselves after that first five-game gauntlet. Um, and I think they're positioned really well to kind of go on a run here coming out of the bye. Let's talk about Jameis Winston a little bit and dig into the season so far for him. It hasn't been nearly as explosive. That's not necessarily his fault, though. It's largely due to the fact they've been without two of their bigger playmakers downfield, especially Michael Thomas. But it's obviously been a large void in their offensive output so far this season. What's been your impression of how Winston has settled into the role as the, 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 the replacement for Drew Brees, which is never an easy task, but just how your impression has been so far of Winston's game so far this season? You know, I think he's been very competent. I, I think that he is a probably a more effective quarterback now than he was at in Tampa. Um, he's doing a significantly better job protecting the football. He, he's only fumbled once in his first five games. He's only thrown three interceptions um, against a dozen touchdown passes. So he's made a lot of progress in that department. He's protecting the football. He's making good decisions with it. And he's conducting the offense that so far uh, leads the NFL in uh, uh, red zone scoring percentage. So he's doing his job. He's making the best of it that he can with the, you know, with all the injuries around him. Like you said, he's missing his top two receivers. Uh, He he was missing. He's been missing two of his top uh, offensive linemen as well. So, uh, there have been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of chaos around him, and I think he's navigated that well enough to uh, get the Saints into a good position. Now that, now that they're getting some players back, I'm, I'm really interested to see how how he performs um, with a stronger supporting cast. 
And hopefully we'll see more of those explosive plays like you mentioned. Talking to John Sigler, managing editor of the Saints Wire on this afternoon's edition of the Saints Wire podcast. Let's talk about the Michael Thomas situation, the lower leg injury. He's been battling for months now. Still looks like he's a couple of weeks away from getting back on the field. What's the latest on Michael Thomas? Yeah, so he was on the physically unable to perform list to start the season. Uh, that, that requires a six-week absence. He has served that. And now we're kind of waiting to see when the Saints are going to activate him when they're going to open his practice window. Um, that's happened for some other players around the league, like Stephon Gilmore, David Bacchiari. Uh, Michael Thomas is kind of the next big domino to fall there in that sequence. So hopefully we'll learn something this week. Uh, because the Saints play on a Monday, they, they will not practice or release an injury report until Thursday. That, that, that's after we recorded here on Wednesday. So hopefully by the time this goes up, we'll know more about Michael Thomas. Right now, it sounds like he's going to be unavailable for, for at least another week or two. Uh, which which does make sense because even if he is healthy, it's going to take some time for him to really get up to speed, get the practice reps, and he hasn't done any meaningful football activities with with, with his teammates uh, since January when the Saints were knocked out of the playoffs. So it's been a long time since he you know he, so much as uh, put on his pads and took a hit in practice. I mean it's it's been a while. So there's going to be an acclimation period there. I'm not expecting him to play in Seattle. Um, I'm really hoping he'll be able to suit up for the Buccaneers game on Halloween, but my gut says we're not going to see Michael Thomas until November. It's also been uh, a, a rough patch of the season thus far for the New Orleans Saints in terms of the running game. Guys, uh, injuries to guys like Tony Jones Jr., who's still slated to miss a few more weeks. The Saints have added a couple of new faces to their running backs room. They also brought in Lamar Miller. Talk about that, uh, that the situation with Lamar Miller, pro bowler back in 2018. How tough is the situation right now at running back for the Saints? It, it, it is difficult because you don't, you don't want to put too much on Alvin Kamara's plate. He, he's someone who has never had a very hefty workload. He, he's not in this mold of a Christian McCaffrey or a Derrick Henry where he's being asked to touch the ball 30 or 40 times a game. That's not who he is. Um, and so you, you, the concern there is, well, if he's our only viable running back, then you know, eventually we're going to put such pressure on him that he breaks, and that's not what you want. So the Saints have had a very concerted effort to bring in more running backs uh, they signed one off the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad to their active roster. And uh, uh, man, I hope I'm getting this right. Davina Zigbo, <laughs> he, he started his NFL career with, with the Saints not long ago out of Nebraska, had a terrific preseason, didn't make the roster. Um, now he's back. So he's on, he's, on, he's on the roster now, along with Dwayne Washington behind Alvin Kamara. Uh, they added another ex-Jaguars running back to the practice squad. And Quell Armstead, who missed most of last season with a pretty serious COVID infection, as I recall. So good, good for him for, you know, making it through that and getting in, in, into the state where he's back in the NFL. Good, good, good on him. Um, but Lamar Miller, like, like you said, he's a pro bowler not too long ago. He has a much stronger resume than either of those guys. Right now he's on the practice squad. Um, it wouldn't shock me at all if he ends up getting promoted on game day. So the Saints can have someone who is a bit more experienced, um, who has maybe a more complete skill set than some of these other backups that they brought in. But in the meantime, it, it's very much a low-risk um, move. You know, he's, he's on the practice squad make, making pennies on the dollar compared to what he you know, com- commanded not long ago. So that, that's some very, very good depth to have there behind Kamara, and hopefully it pays off for the Saints in these next couple of games. 
let's flip it over to the defense for a second. And how likely is it that we'll see Quan Alexander back on the field or how soon could that be for the Saints after being taken off the IR list? Certainly his replacement, rookie linebacker Pete Werner, has been effective. So it's possible that it'll take – it's possible the Saints have some time to buy in getting uh, Alexander back on the field and back into the swing of things for the Saints defense? Yeah, that may be the storyline to watch here Here, uh, as we continue to get more players back from injury. Uh, Quan Alexander, he, he, he was a lightning bolt to the defense when they traded for him last year. He, he and Demario Davis were two just super effective linebackers playing next to each other. Uh, Quan, he, he worked his way back from, from a late-season Achilles tear and then played, played fairly well in week one. I mean, you, you can see his range. He, he moves differently from every other linebacker on the roster. Uh, but as you said, Pete Warner is, you know, he, he's been effective as well. He's a, he's a very, very intelligent player. And he's got enough athleticism to where he can read the play and get himself in position to make a play. Um, so just because Quan may be healthy, I don't know that he's going to be starting, you know, right out of the gate. So that, that'll be very inter- interesting to see. It, it's, it's kind of similar to what happened with the Saints at corner, where they were starting rookie uh, Paul Sondadebo because they lacked better options. Uh, but then he started playing so well that even though they traded for a very accomplished veteran in Bradley Roby, the, the rookie is still playing well enough to keep the, keep the vet on the sidelines. And so I think that could be the case with Quan as well. I would expect him to return soon. He wasn't expected to miss a lot of time with his elbow injury. Now he's back. He went bowling the other night on, on Instagram. Uh, that, that, to me, that would suggest his elbow is in pretty good shape. Um, so I think he'll, he'll be back soon, but I don't know that he'll be back on the field soon. But either way, having him around is – is great for the team's, you know, you know, for, for their morale, for better lack of terms. I mean, he's he's a very popular dude in that locker room. Um, he, he's a vocal leader on the team. Having him back around, having him available on game days in a pinch, uh, that, that's going to be very, very important as well. So hopefully we'll see him here soon, but maybe not too soon, because that would mean that the rookie has taken a step back. John Sigler, Managing Editor, SaintsWire.com. Make sure to check out the website for all the latest on the upcoming Monday night matchup between the Saints and the Seahawks. Staying with the defense a moment, John, let's talk a little bit about Marshawn Lattimore and what he's been for the Saints secondary this season. The huge performance a couple weekends ago against the Washington football team. Lattimore's probably going to be paired up against E.K. Metcalf when the Saints challenge the Seahawks on Monday night. Give us, uh, give us sort of your perspective on what you've seen from Lattimore this season. That, that is good. He has just been such an exciting player. He, he's, he is kind of perfectly balancing his athletic prime with his understanding of the game um, and his experience to this point. Um, he is, he's been tremendous. I, I can't speak highly enough about how well Marshawn Lattimore has played this year. And it's all the more impressive considering he signed a long-term contract extension after the week one, um, at, you know, minutes after that, after that uh, Packers game. So he, he has been just so impressive. He, he took um, scary Terry McLaurin out of the game uh, against Washington a few weeks ago. Um, he, he's just, he's played so well. There are very few receivers in this league who can challenge him athletically. And he's so smart that he can, you know, re- read the entire passing concept and know exactly where to be to break up a pass when, when, when the ball flows his way. So he, he has been the playmaker for the saints on the back end. I fully expect him to, get um, all pro consideration this year, get back in the pro bowl for the, I believe this will be the fourth time in five years for him. If he does make it this time around, um, he's really been a, been a rock for the rest of the defense to build upon. So it, it speaks to what the saints have done in drafting and developing talent over the years. And I just couldn't be happier to see him playing so well. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. 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 
Welcome to week number seven. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays as we navigate six teams on by. Quarterback Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons, at Miami Dolphins. Coming off of a bye week of his own, Ryan gets wide receiver Calvin Ridley back in the lineup, and it looks like wideout Russell Gage has a chance to return as well. The entire offense seems to be coming around to Arthur Smith's system, and the last time we saw Ryan, he was dropping dimes to rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. Miami has allowed 12 passing touchdowns, picking off only two passes since week one, and three teams have given up more fantasy points to the position in this time. Each one of those teams has allowed at least two rushing scores to inflate the matchup data. With injury concerns at both of the starting cornerback positions, Miami may have a hard time keeping Ryan under wraps. Running back J.D. McKissick, Washington football team at Green Bay Packers. McKissick's three strong games this year have come against the Giants, the Falcons, and the Chiefs. All terrible defenses. The Chargers, Bills, and Saints shut him down. Green Bay is somewhere in the middle right now, largely due to injuries. Green Bay's offense can hang points with the best of them, and Washington hasn't been able to stop a receiver for anything this season. Furthermore, it's unclear if running back Antonio Gibson will be able to play through his continued shin injury after exiting the lineup multiple times last week. His absence would mean more work for McKissick. Detroit Lions wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown at Los Angeles Rams. LA's defense of wide receivers isn't nearly as strong as it may seem, at least from a fantasy perspective in PPR. Some of that's by design. In the last five weeks, only Tennessee has given up more catches to the position. Washington has allowed one fewer reception but seven more touchdowns in that time. The Rams are playing extremely well with a version of bend but don't break defense. They'll happily give up a lot of short area passing volume to prevent the long ball as evidenced by a dozen players over six games having five or more receptions against this unit in 2021. In a revenge game for Matthew Stafford, Detroit will be forced to throw like crazy to have a chance. Not that the Lions actually have a chance. St. Brown should be heavily targeted. Get him in all PPR lineups, especially with so many teams on a bye. Arizona Cardinals tight end, Zach Ertz versus the Houston Texans. Still feels weird to say, doesn't it? He posted four catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown in week six Thursday night game before being traded the next day. This week, Houston comes to visit and brings its feeble defense of tight ends. The position has averaged 5.6 receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown every 7.3 catches. All of these are top nine figures working in Ertz's favor. Additionally, Houston has been surprisingly good against wide receivers, which would mean Kyler Murray is frequently looking toward his new tight end. For more fantasy football tips and advice, please check out our award-winning content at thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at USA Today bet.com slash podcast that's usa today bet.com slash podcast see typico.com for terms and conditions 21 plus only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in new jersey 1-800-522-4700 in colorado just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left listen to where secrets go to die the disappearance of Derek hennigan From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my homie, Nathan Beagle to help break down this week's Sunday Night Football game with the Indianapolis Colts visiting the San Francisco 49ers 
our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the 49ers favored four and a half with the total sitting at 43 and a half. I like the Indianapolis Colts to cover this number because they're four and two against the spread so far this year. Their offense is trending up with T.Y. Hilton coming back and Wentz getting settled into his new scheme. Also, the 49ers are 5-13 and 1 against the spread at home since Kyle Shanahan became head coach in 2017. Nate, how are you betting your money in this game? I like San Francisco in this game, especially with them having the seventh best pass defense. In the NFL and Jimmy G returning, Jimmy G has only lost two games this season and they were to Green Bay and Seattle having beaten Philadelphia and Detroit, both by more than four points. I'm rolling with the home dog coming off a bye week. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. John Sigler of the Saints Wire joining us here on the Saints Wire podcast. Let's uh, let's bounce it around the rest of the division for a second. Clearly, the Saints right now looking up at Tampa Bay with all of their respective star power. You've got the injury-riddled Carolina Panthers and the Falcons bringing up the rear and basically not able to get out of their own way for the most part. Give me your thoughts on the NFC South and, and how these next few weeks coming off the bye and how important these next few weeks are, starting with the Monday night game against the Seahawks and potentially uh, making a run later the season for the postseason. Yeah, it's finally starting to shape up how I expected it to be. Um, you know, going into the season, I thought it would be a two-horse race between New Orleans and Tampa Bay. I did not expect Carolina to jump out to their start that they did. Um, and, and they kind of have fallen back to earth. You know, they, they won three games in a row, and now they've lost three in a row. So they're kind of fig- figuring out, like, hey, did, was it really the right move to um, hit, hitch our future to uh, Sam Darnold and then trade all of our future draft picks for, <laughs> for, for some other guys? So we'll see, see if that pans out for them. But, you know, I'm, I'm not too high on Carolina. Despite winning in week two, um, I, I'm, I'm very eager to see how they perform against the Saints in the rematch, um, I believe, on – New Year's Day or, or January 2nd, one of the two. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking more, more, more immediately, um, the Falcons have been just as terrible as I expected them to be. Um, they are the rivals to the Saints, and I wish nothing but bad things to that franchise. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that's going to continue to be the case. Now, shifting our focus back to Tampa Bay, they have been a bit better than I thought. You know, I, I looked at them as, you know, this 11-win team that kind of backed into the playoffs last year, uh, got really lucky playing Taylor Heineke, Got really lucky playing Drew Brees in the worst game of his life. Um, and they were really fortunate to win the Super Bowl the way they did. So they, they've kind of proven me wrong in some aspects. You know, they, they've played very complete football. Uh, their defense has remained pretty strong. Their offense has really taken a step forward now that Antonio Brown is more settled into that passing game. Um, and Tom Brady, you know, I don't know if he's getting like some gene therapy or something, but but he is he's immortal. He's playing fantastic football. Uh, he's going to be a challenge with the Saints team on Halloween. So one thing I do look at with Tampa Bay, one vulnerability that I, I see on that roster, uh, they, they just cannot defend a deep pass to save their lives. Um, they, they've lost a ton of uh, guys in their secondary. They're dealing with a lot of injuries. They weren't even very effective before, which was odd considering how well that group played a year ago. Um, that's something that I think the Saints are going to exploit. I think they're really planning to let Jameis, uh, you know, just let it rip against his old team on Halloween. Um, 
And that's again, I'm really eager to see how, how, how it pans out. But first and foremost, we got to knock off Seattle and uh, see where the Saints take it from there. Yeah, you mentioned the the Buccaneers' woes defensive backfield, and we we were chatting earlier with uh, Luke Easterling, the managing editor of the Bucks Wire, and we were talking about Richard Sherman and just how much of a stretch it was even going to Richard Sherman in the first place with all the other injuries that were compounded. Then you go to Richard Sherman, and the next thing you know, he's back. At, you know, he's injured again. So it has been a revolving door at defensive back for Tampa Bay. Yeah, and, and I think they're going to continue to have some have issues there until they get some players back. Um, and I, I, you know, as bad as the Saints may be at receiver, I do think that's a, that is kind of a mismatch in their favor. Um, you could say everything that we want to say about Jameis Winston and his flaws as a passer. The one thing that he does really well is just look downfield and just sling that ball as far as he can. And he he does that so well. He, he we saw in Washington he had the 72 yard touchdown pass. To Deontay Harris, he had the uh, the Hail Mary, of course. Uh, they're going into halftime to Marquez Callaway, so that's that's something that he is, you know, willing to kind of pull the trigger on finally, which is something that we didn't see earlier this season, where he would have an open man downfield and he wouldn't take it. So uh, th- that is something I'm looking forward to against Tampa Bay. I think he's going to have some favorable matchups, especially with Traquan Smith coming back. Uh, no receiver, nobody spent more time this off season. Uh, working to establish chemistry, establish that rapport with Jameis Winston and Traquan Smith. I, I swear they were on each other's Instagram pages every single day, catch, tossing passes back and forth um, in parks and high school fields across the country. Um, they, they, they invested a lot of time working together. I, I really want to believe that's going to pay off now that Traquan Smith is on his way back from injured reserve. Hopefully he'll be back in time for Monday night's game in Seattle. But if not, I would fully expect him to be ready for the Bucks game. John Sigler, managing editor of the Saints Wire. Of course, you mentioned the matchup, the Monday night matchup on the road at Seattle. It's in a, uh, a big matchup under the lights here. But the, Saint, the Seahawks are a different team, obviously, uh, without Russell Wilson. And, you know, despite the, uh, you know, off the bench performance by Geno Smith, it's a guy who still, prior to last week, hadn't started a game in nearly four years. Uh, give me your thoughts about this matchup this Monday night between the Saints and Seahawks. You know, at risk of sounding like a faint homer, I really think that New Orleans runs away with this one. Uh, Seattle was not playing very good football even before Russell Wilson got hurt. Geno Smith has not done much to inspire any confidence uh, since, since then. I don't think it's any any surprise that uh, news leaks that Seattle was talking to Cam Newton after Geno had a meltdown against uh, Pittsburgh this past Sunday night. Um Nothing has come of that so far, and I don't expect anything will by the time the Saints and Seahawks kick off. But, you know, they, they let Geno have his shot, and he did not perform. And I don't think he's going to have much better success against the Saints, especially if they get some of these defenders back that we've been talking about. Um, you know, they do. Uh, one thing that does worry me about Seattle is their, their two, top two receivers. And DK Metcalf, you know, that, that should be just a clash of the Titans game between him and Marshawn Lattimore. Tyler Lockett, you know, has been one of my favorite receivers across the league for a long time, even going back to when he came out of Kansas State. Um, and I think he, he, he is going to give our rookie corner, Boston Adebo, some serious trouble. Um, so that, that's going to be a really high-profile high matchup to watch. Um, I do know that Seattle really hopes to lean on the running game, that they really want to just kind of force touches to Alex Collins and hope that he can make something happen. Uh, Good luck to them because 
The Saints have a very, very strong run defense. Uh, just despite the losses they took this season, they're just, they're just very well coached. Um, everyone knows their assignments. Everyone knows the scheme. Everyone knows everyone plays with good vision. They know where the ball is flowing, and they know how to get there efficiently. Um, so I just see that I can just totally see it that you know Pete Carroll try, tries to establish the run and it blows up, and then they have to try and try and ask you know Smith to, to go out there and throw thirty or forty times, and I just don't see that going well for him. John Sigler, Saints Wire, managing editor. John, tell our listeners about uh, your social media presence, where we can find more of your work on social media, and of course, uh, as managing editor of the Saints Wire. Yeah, you can follow us, f- follow me on Twitter at uh, John underscore Sigler with two R's. That's a J-O-H-N under, underscore S-I-G-L-E-R-R. Someone sniped me to the, uh, the one R there, like I actually spell my name. Uh, and then you can find everything that I write at the Saints Wire, uh, and that's Literally what it is, guys. Uh, <laughs> that search bar, type in the Saints Wire, and that bing, bing, boom. So we, we've got everything you need for the, to keep up with the black and gold. We've got content going up every day, roster moves, latest transactions. Um, uh, we've got the, 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 the analytics. We're breaking into this now. So we, we've got everything you could want to keep up with the Saints. Uh, ch- check us out. Check out the podcast. Uh, listen in some previous episodes and uh, stay up, up, up to date. Excellent stuff. Thanks so much, John, for taking time with us this afternoon. And uh, we'll look forward to getting back in touch with you real soon. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.